Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Truly because he lives, we could face tomorrow. Aren't you so excited that because Jesus came out of the tomb alive with Zonta, full of life, that we could face tomorrow? No matter what tomorrow brings, we know that we could go through it with confidence because Christ came out of the tomb alive. Today's a great day. You know, if there's any church service that you did not want to miss, today is definitely that service. So we are honored that you came here and you joined us this morning. You, t- you tapped into the channel here at Christian Worship Center Bay Area. I hope that you're doing a watch party because there's a lot of people on your timeline that need to see this service today. God is going to move in an amazing way. Would you just say amen with me right now? You know, we've done a great job at creating a culture around Easter that was never meant to be. We've made Easter about plastic eggs, bunnies, although bunnies don't lay eggs. We've made it about meals and families. We've made it about taking our time to go out shopping to make sure that our family looks well put together on Sunday morning. Let me tell you this. There is nothing wrong with having a meal with your family. We'd actually encourage it. There's nothing wrong with getting your family dressed up and prepared for a great service. And there's nothing wrong with letting your children have, uh, go out and, and, and gather Easter eggs. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to let you know this morning that, that Easter Sunday, a Resurrection Sunday, was never built around those things. You see, Resurrection Sunday is all about love. It's all about the love of Christ in our life. In the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 32 through 38, the Bible reads as so. It says, now as they came out, they found a man, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of skull, they gave him sour wine and mingled it with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusations written against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, more than that, I thank you that you came out of the grave, out of the tomb, alive. Thank you because today we have power. Today we could celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus carries his cross to Golgotha, but before that, we see that he had just endured a gruesome beating by the cat of nine tails, by well-trained Roman soldiers. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten so severely that parts of his body were exposed that were not exposed before. He was able to see parts of his body that he was not able to see before. Things that were on the inside were now exposed on the outside. It says that his head had swelled up. His tongue was stuck to the roof of his mouth. He was in agonizing pain after the beating and the flogging, but it still didn't end there. After that, they 
caused him to carry his cross up the hill of Golgotha, the place where he would then lay down his life after enduring such a gruesome beating. He carries his cross, and on the way up to Golgotha, he hears the voices of people saying, crucify him, crucify him. Those voices sound very familiar in his ear because they were the same voices that a few days earlier were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were the same voices that sung his praise. I want you to understand this morning, be careful when you have people singing your praise because in the next moment they very easily might sing your demise. You see, Jesus knew his purpose. And so those who sang Hosanna and those who said crucify him did not get him off of his purpose or his mission in life. You see, you have to know your purpose in life so that when people sing your praise or your demise, you could still stick to the plan of why God has called you here this morning. So he gets to the place of Golgotha. They hang him on the cross And they place above his head the accusations of why he's hanging on the cross. And this is his accusations against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. You see, this Jesus who healed people who were hurting, this Jesus who raised people from the dead, this same Jesus who fed those that were hungry, this same Jesus that forgave those that were caught in sin, now finds himself hanging on the cross, and the accusation that is against him is that he is the king of the Jews. He forgave, he fed, he healed. See, this is no way to repay somebody for doing good. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you've done nothing but good, but then you find the outcome is not what would be equal to what you've given out. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and all he did was good for people in life. Yet, through it all, he never wavers from his mission. Yet, through it all, he never gives up. Yet through it all, we never find in Scripture where Jesus complained about what was happening. We never find in Scripture where Jesus regrets what is happening. We never find Jesus wanting to give up. We find in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was a little disturbed and he says, Father, if there's any other way that this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He stuck to the mission. He never once complained about it. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what you're going through stick to the mission don't complain don't regret it because God's doing something in it so Jesus hangs on the cross and he doesn't complain he doesn't find himself at a place of regret but we see love come forth from him the Bible says that as people are down there mocking him saying you saved other people and you yourself you can't save full of love and full of compassion, but at the same time, full of pain. Full of love, full of compassion, and at the same time, full of pain. Jesus looks down from the cross at the people that are mocking him, the people that are saying horrible things about him. Jesus looks down at the cross from the cross and looks up to heaven, and he says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't see how 
anybody in their right mind could be in such pain, agonize, and yet still have such compassion in their heart to go before his Father in heaven and ask that he would forgive them. He's asking for forgiveness on their behalf. You see, he knew his purpose. He knew his passion. And that was me and you. And because he lives, we truly can face tomorrow. He didn't complain when they mocked him. He stayed the course. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Jesus became all that we are so that we could become all that he is. Let me say that again this morning. Jesus became all that we are so that we could become all that he is. Happy Resurrection Day. What a great day it is to celebrate the risen Savior. I just want to say, Bree, what a wonderful job on that painting. You moved my heart this morning. You challenged me. And Pastor Nick, you so eloquently shared that word about how Jesus was on the cross and why we're even gathered here today. Thank you today for that word. But I want to share with you as I close this time up together about the scandalous love of God. We've titled this scandalous because that's really what the love of God was all about. You see, we all love a good love story. Before we even started here, I began to ask some people what their favorite love story movie was and all the men around here refused to acknowledge that they've ever watched a love story. But I know from words I've heard about The Notebook, uh, The Vow, Titanic, uh, Randy was the only one that wasn't afraid to say a walk to remember. Uh, my favorite love story was Braveheart. It was a love story. There was action, but it was a love story. But I want to talk to you this morning about the greatest love story of all. And that's a love story of God to you and me. That God loved us with such an audacious love, such a scandalous love. And what made the love of God so scandalous towards us? You see, any good love story, what makes it great is that there, were a cri there was a crisis that went on in their love. And somehow, no matter what obstacle they went through, at the end, they came together and they found each other. That's who God is to us. God had this audacious, this scandalous love for us where he pursued us even when we didn't recognize him, even when we didn't know him, even when we didn't even acknowledge who God was, God still loved you. Yes, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the individual that you felt that you were never good enough to receive anything from God. I want you to understand right now that God loves you so audaciously, so scandalously, so over the top that God went to extreme lengths to express his love to you. His love for us was so scandalous that Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrated, everyone say demonstrated. He demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know that a love that has never been demonstrated is not a love at all. 
Love has to be shown in order for love to be active. In order for me for, to love my wife, I can't just say I love my wife. I have to demonstrate that love to her. That's the kind of scandalous love that I'm talking about. What do I mean? I'm, I'm talking about this kind of scandalous love. God bought the ring before you even knew who he was. He bought the house. He bought the dress. He rented the tux. He already, ordered, he already rented the facility. God already determined the wedding date before you even knew who he was. That's the kind of scandalous love I want you to understand. God loved us so greatly that when he loved us so much that even while you were in the arms of another person, God still loved you. I want you to recognize the scandalous love of God. How scandalous was it? It was so scandalous that Jesus came to earth on a quest. He came on a mission. And when he left the comforts of heaven, he was God. He was on the throne. He had everything that he wanted and he left the comforts of heaven to come and to reach you. He left his job. He left his throne. He renounced his royalty. He laid aside his abilities. He, he limited, limited himself to humanity. He surrendered to a process. He accepted a commission and only to be rejected by the very people that he came to love to save. He was brutally tortured. He was ruthlessly abused. He was relentlessly ridiculed. He was nailed to a tree hung and suspended between two thieves. The hands that were used to heal were now nailed to the cross. The eyes that shared compassion were swollen shut. The lips that spoke love and taught great uh, truths of the word were now swollen and bloodied. The arms that embraced the sick are now stretched out on this piece of wood. He was treated with contempt. And he was humiliated by the very people that he came to save. That, my friend, is scandalous. Why would God do that? There is no other religion that you can search where God himself came down as his creation in order to redeem the very ones that he loved. Don't get it twisted, my friend. God is love. You see, God doesn't love you when you're good and despise you or put up with you when you're bad. God can't love you any more than he loves you right now. He loves you with an audacious love. He loves you with an ins insane love. He loves you with an outrageous love. He loves you with a shocking kind of love. I want you to understand this morning that it was not nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was you. It was love. God loved you so radically, so audaciously, so scandalously that when he could have called 10,000 angels to set him free, he refused to. And he allowed himself to be beaten and tortured and hung and suspended on a tree by the very people he came to save because he loved us. As Pastor Nick said, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Are you catching that? He, he became the murderer. No, no, he became the adulterer. He became the abuser. He became the liar, the cheater. He who knew no sin, holiness. My friend, I don't believe it was the nails or even the whipping that killed Jesus. 
It was the very moment when God, his father, turned his back on his son because the sin of the world was placed upon his shoulders. It was at that moment that he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It was at that moment all the sin of the world was placed upon our God. That is a scandalous love, that Jesus became what he wasn't so that we can become who he is. I want you to understand that he was humiliated so that we could be honored. When Adam and Eve sinned in the book of Genesis, God covered them. And it wasn't a secondary thought because at the end of the book, Revelation 13.8 says, To the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. That even before Adam and Eve was created, God had already had a plan to redeem mankind. God knows knows what the the end is. God already knows what the end is going to be. He knew it before he created mankind. God's not limited to time. And yet, even though he knew Adam and Eve would sin, he still chose to love you, to create us, and then pay the price to redeem us. See, my friend, God didn't lower the standard in order to reach us. What he did is he raised you up on his blood-torn shoulders to get you to where he is in the heavenlies. See, I want you to understand he endured the shame of humanity before he endured the shame of the cross. Imagine with me the God that created all the world limiting himself to a human body. That's scandalous. That's audacious. That's an insane kind of love that God became who we are so that he could bring us up to who he is. You see, my friend, as I close this morning, even in your rejection of God, God still loves you. Even after I'm done speaking, If you choose not to serve God, God will still love you. Because God loves us all. But you have to receive him in order to receive the gift of heaven. Because God is love. He's still love today. And let me speak to each and every one of you as I say this, as I close this morning. You're going to have to work extremely hard to go to hell. Because God worked extremely hard to make sure you don't go there. He did everything in his power to make sure that you don't go to hell. There is a place called heaven. There is a place called hell. And Jesus went to the cross to ensure you and I don't have to spend eternity there. My friend, eternity is way too long to be wrong. I want to invite you right now because I know your heart is stirring. I know the Holy Spirit is moving on you right now. I know God is beginning right there in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen. God is ministering to your heart in this moment. That the risen Savior, that the tomb is empty, that the God that came and gave his life and and three days later rose again, loved you so much and so audaciously, so scandalously. He's reaching out to you right now and saying, I want to redeem you. I want to love you. I want to restore you. I want to take your pain. I want to take your hurt. 
I want to bring healing to your heart so you don't have to hurt any longer. God loves you so much. He wants to take your pain. As you bow your heads this morning, close your eyes. I want to challenge you right now, right where you're at, that if you don't know Jesus, I want you to invite him into your heart this morning. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is ask him. It's simple. Would you just at this moment invite Jesus into your heart? At this moment, would you recognize your need of God? There's no, there's no shame in doing so. We all need Jesus. I need him. Some people say, Pastor, Jesus is just a crutch. He's not a crutch. He's a stretcher because I can't even limp without God. I want to invite you right now just to repeat this prayer with me. The power comes in confessing who Jesus is. Now I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, I confess right now that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I invite Jesus to come and live in my heart and make me new. I turn my back on my old life and I step in to a new reality. I receive today the scandalous love of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer, believing in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, then my friend, the Bible says your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. God wants to give you life, not just when you die, but right here. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. If you said that prayer, do me a favor right now. Would you text to the, to the number on your screen, 408-340-7703. Would you text this number, RISEN? Would you text RISEN to the number 408-340-7703 so that we could reach out to you and let you know just that you have a family that cares for you and loves you. Happy Resurrection Day. Hey, I want you to tap your neighbor and tell him Jesus is risen, so you can too. God bless you today. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea. 